0: Ashley Louise is the co founder and CEO of Ladies Get Paid, a thriving platform dedicated to women's professional advancement with over 60,000 members across the world. Ashley is a go to source for women who want to learn how to level up their careers, negotiate their salaries, find a new job, or build their wealth. In today's show, she talks about differences in career experiences for men and women, negotiating salaries, how to find work you enjoy entrepreneurial journey, increasing your personal productivity, and her transition into parenthood. We hope you enjoy the conversation. We have Ashley from Ladies Get Paid today, and I'm going to start out with two questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. The first question is, who is Ashley Louise?
1: Hey, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Ashley Louise, I am the co-founder and CEO of Ladies Get Paid. Ladies Get Paid is a organization, media company, and membership community. We help women. We say we like to help women learn to level up. So whether that's Your career, your bank account, your business, or your life. We want to give you all the information and resources that you need to set goals and reach them and live better. Second question
0: is How do you help support job seekers or career professionals?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the main core of why we exist. We wanted to provide support to women who are navigating their careers. You know, when we started the company back in 2016, the thing so many women were feeling was that. The information that was out there about how to find a new job or get a new career, number one thing we actually started with was salary negotiation. It Mm. just was really unrelatable, and people weren't really catering to women's career ambitions in the way that we felt was needed, especially now the way the internet is, and there's so much information online brand is more important now than anything and people want to learn things from someone who they believe understands them and we've been really fortunate kind of nice being in your own target demo because you kind of like know right away what's gonna work and what isn't women before they do anything compared to men tend to want a lot more information and feel like they really have researched a lot before they make a decision so really what we do is we give women all the information and education that they need when they typically unfortunately when they have a problem at work but it's I don't know how to do X, and you come to us, and we'll just tell you how to do it and give you a community that you can also talk to to get there. Job seekers are obviously, especially in the past couple of years, a really big core of who we serve. You know, we serve everyone from entrepreneurs to job seekers to women who are trying to move up in a giant organization. But for job seekers, our blog has tons of information on how to do your resume, what are the questions you're supposed to ask in a job interview. We have online courses, you know, we have a master course that goes through like really in depth everything that you need to do if you want to find your dream job. And then we do weekly or monthly meetups for job seekers. We try and have a theme or topic most of the time, but it's helped a lot of people. Listen, it's nice to show up somewhere and like vent and complain with other people who are facing the same problems as you, but you know, a lot of people meet each other and they swap resumes and it's really nice to just have a community of other women who are going through the same thing as you. And I think that's been what's made us so successful is people feel like we understand where they're coming from. And that draws a lot of people to us.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And like you mentioned, being someone that has experienced the things that you're talking about, I think it adds a lot of credibility, I'm sure. I want to ask you a couple of questions about some things you mentioned. So one was some of the challenges that women face that men don't face Mm -hmm. or ways that women approach certain things in their career differently than men do. You mentioned salary negotiation. You mentioned trying to like get better at certain things or solve certain problems at work. Are there like two or three or however many things that you see come up most frequently with women that they struggle with or face challenges with disproportionately compared to what a man might face?
1: Yeah, the number one is obviously salary negotiation. So on average, women make 82 cents for every dollar that a white man makes. And that's kind of solving for them in the same role. And when you break that down by race, you know, Hispanic women are making 55 cents to the dollar. Native women are making 55 cents to the dollar. Black women make 63 cents to the dollar, right? Like that is a huge, huge gap and the amount of money a woman loses over her lifetime for something like that the effect on the economy even is just like horrible and outside of yeah. it being like morally wrong like it's better when people have more money this is america we like to buy things <laughs> so the wage gap right. is number one the second thing is the leadership gap women getting passed over for promotions women are the majority of college graduates but only 22% make it past middle management at their companies which is insane right mm. like if you're starting down at the entry level like up to mid positions they're usually about equal but then once you start getting up to like director vp level and then c-suite total drop off there and teams that are more diverse perform better as businesses so again we have like the moral side of this which is there's obviously something wrong here but then there's also right. like it's just bad business teams that are more diverse and you could cut that however much you want you can cut it by race gender class education region you grew up in, when you have more different voices in the room, you're just going to produce a better product. And the thing that's really important is when you have women in positions of leadership, they tend to think about things more that are going to help women thrive in the workplace, right? Like Things like paid leave. Flexible work used to be a thing that we talked about a lot more than we do now, obviously, because we all kind of got forced into that. Yeah. Companies just perform better when you have more diverse leadership. The third thing is fundraising, women in entrepreneurship. Women have a harder time getting loans. And when they do get business loans, they're typically for less money than men get loans for. And in VC fundraising, I think we're notching maybe 2% of VC fundraising money every year. And black women, it's like 0.68% of funding goes to black women. And they are the fastest growing entrepreneurial set in America. I know people think we've over-talked about these issues. We've talked about them a lot. And the wage gap has closed a couple of cents in the last seven years. We've talked about it, but nothing has really been implemented to actually tackle these challenges. And that's what we're here for, right? That is our core is, look, it's going to take a lot of different things to fix any of these individual problems. There's of course that criticism of like, this isn't women's fault that these things are happening. I obviously agree. And the number one thing that could be done to actually close the wage gap is to raise the minimum wage because two thirds of minimum wage workers are women. And also passing laws like salary history ban is a really great example where you know your employer can't ask you what your previous salary was. So if women are underpaid, it doesn't kind of perpetuate them continuing to be underpaid. But we're talking about societal change and we're talking about legislation and we're talking about big moving ship kind of stuff, which needs needs right. to happen passing paid family leave right another one there those things all need to happen and we need to be kind of working for those but at the rate we're going right now the wage gap won't be closed for like 261 years so for us we're sort of like what can we do in the meantime that will actually make difference in people's lives right like i will never apologize for teaching a woman to negotiate her salary is it the end-all be-all solution and should it have to be a thing that we're doing no but that's a perfect world in the world that we live in Every right. single woman who I teach how to make more money, her life is better. And then she's gonna tell somebody else to negotiate her salary. That woman's life is gonna be better. And it's the way that we feel we can make the most change right now.
0: That's phenomenal insight on that. You have all these stats off the top of your head. Like I'm <laughs> I'm literally learning so much as you're talking. I was really interesting way you ended that because as you were talking, that was gonna be one thing I wanted to ask is how do you think about advising people on how to because we think about this a lot at ramped where we're trying to like both help job seekers Mm -hmm. or people navigate their careers within the realities of what exists today, Mm -hmm. even if we think those things are broken or bad or should be changed, while also trying to impact longer term change for those things. So maybe as an example, with the negotiation stuff, Mm -hmm. you mentioned ideal in an ideal world, I mean, anyone, but Women in particular wouldn't have to worry about if I don't do XYZ, it's not gonna make a difference on me making less money than someone mm-hmm. else or a man in the same role. What are some of the tactical things like with negotiating salaries and stuff? What are the types of ad- advice that you give to to women who are, let's say a woman just got a job offer and they're trying to figure out how do I go about negotiating to get a higher compensation?
1: Sure. So the number one thing is when you receive an offer, don't feel like you need to respond right away. Just say thank you. I'm going to take some time to evaluate this offer. Don't put a clock on yourself, number one. Number two, I know it's a tough job market and people get really excited because they're feeling desperate and they want a job, but you don't need to answer right away. Give yourself a beat and take a moment to actually read your offer and understand what it is. The next thing that you need to do is you need to do your market research, right? So what is the average that someone in your role with your experience in your city or where your office is, right? Like this used to be a little bit easier before remote work, where it's like, where do you live? We always say to ask five people, real life people, what they make to try and figure this out. And we always say at least one of those people has to be a white man. I love running a community of women. And, you know, we have this amazing Slack channel where like, 3 million messages has been exchanged. And we have a salary negotiation channel where people talk about how much money they make, which I love. But it's also like, if we're all underpaid, and we're only talking to each other about how much we're getting paid, we're still going to be underpaid. If white men make the most money, then you need to know what the white men make if you want to get paid appropriately for your job. So like, never negotiate without finding out how much a white man makes to do your job. I'm not attacking anyone here, but it's like literally just stats. It's like who makes the most money and like go figure that out. A lot of people get worried about if I negotiate, they're gonna pull my offer. Over the last six or seven years that I've been doing this, I could count on one hand how many times I've actually seen that happen. And if a company wants to pull your offer because you negotiated your salary, which is something extremely normal and that everyone does, that's a red flag and a company that you probably don't want to work at. We always say if your interview process feels kind of weird and you don't like it, this is how your relationship is starting. This is when everyone's on their best behavior. Right? right? It doesn't feel good to you on a gut level or something like that happens. You're probably dodging a bullet there.
0: Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. I also think a lot of people assume or want to wait to negotiate in, until later in their career if they feel like I've accomplished more and stuff yes. like that. When the impact of negotiating early in your career is so significant, I guess I'm trying to remember back well, when and I like, graduated. Well, not even
1: just that, but like yeah. more money earlier on, especially if you're investing in a 401k like you should, you're losing out on a ton of money over the course of your life if you don't start optimizing your income early. Yeah. All that compounds over time. Right. Like there's four <laughs> yeah, no people yeah. on this earth, sort of. I mean, yeah, there's like a hundred people on this earth that have too much money for all the rest of us. You could never have Yeah.
0: <laughs> unless you want to buy Twitter or something.
1: He has enough money. He's good.
0: He does. does. So he's trying to Um, lose money now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess (laughs) it all becomes a game at some point. But for the rest of us, we're trying to figure out how to get past level one. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So that makes a ton of sense. What are some, maybe a couple other things aside from, because you mentioned like how critical it is to get those first year or two right in your career when it comes to negotiating your salary, stuff like that, like getting what you deserve. I think we've seen this with a lot of early career folks or job seekers and stuff, how critical those first, call it three to five years of your career are to. Put you on a trajectory for certain things. Obviously, then if you want a career transition or do a ton of other things, there's great opportunities to do mm-hmm. that as well. But what would you recommend someone or women in particular in the first, let's say, two to three years of their career? What would you recommend they do to? And it doesn't have to be like to be successful or whatever <laughs> the the typical like terms might be, but just to like kind of put themselves in a position where they're on a good track in mm-hmm. their career.
1: I do want to say because I hear this a lot, it's never too yeah. late to start either like i know a lot yeah. of people we as a society did not start talking about like women in their careers the way we do now until like fairly recently and yeah. we talked to a lot of like older women even too and they're like oh is it too late for me to like do x it's never too late to start investing in your career you can't do anything about what's happening We say like eyes forward right like you can't change what you didn't do If you want to get started just get started i think for younger people i think the most important thing to do to to like set yourself up in the long term is to be really meticulous about understanding what you do and don't like about a job and what you do mm. and don't like doing. And I think people focus a lot on must haves and not enough on must not have, right? Like, what are mm-hmm. your deal breakers? What are the things where you're like, I hate this? I don't want to do this, right? Like, work is what you do for the majority of your life. If we yeah. would like that to not be the case, sure. Again, we're living in reality. If there are things that you like absolutely hate, then you need to know that and you need to navigate around those. Don't force it. Again, I understand we're talking about some kind of realm of privilege here in like having those choices choices to make but having a lot of clarity in it wouldn't say you need to know the specific thing you want to do where you're like I want to do corporate M&A when I'm 35 you know like that's too much but yeah knowing the things that you're good at and the things that you enjoy and the things that you're not good at and you don't enjoy the not good at things you should probably learn those the things that you just don't like that's okay You don't have to do them. And I think we talk about kind of like orient yourself, right? You need to have some kind of baseline foundation that you can, and these things should always evolve, but you need to be doing a lot of inner work and thinking about what you do and how it makes you feel. And I don't mean that in the like, oh, I need to love my job and like my family at work. No. Yeah. (laughs) They probably not hate it, you know, and they're- Yeah. Enjoy it sort of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that. I also think that a lot of people, it's so hard, even if you think you know what that job will be or what what it'll look like Mm -hmm. or whatever else, until you're actually doing it, I used to think, oh, I would love doing this job or that job or something else. And then I would sometimes start doing that job and realize this actually is not what I like. Or there's components of this that I did not foresee. And even though I like some of it, like you said figuring out what are non-negotiables on the opposite end mm-hmm. are is as important if not more important than like what you do like yeah and also Very not
1: cool. kind of like you try something that you thought you were gonna like and you don't like it not beating yeah. yourself up over that either like growth mindset but you learn something and anytime that you and i think about failure quote unquote like this too is anytime you like learn something or if you want to put it another way you get more data like that's always good right like yeah. you need to kind of think about all these things that happen in your life and what they meant and then put those together to kind of create your overarching career thesis and mindset here where like knowing something that you don't like is really important information that's always good so anything that you do even if it doesn't work out there's always something worthwhile in there
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense one thing we've seen a lot with the candidates we work with and folks and particularly like a lot of career switchers or you mentioned earlier sometimes there's a lot of discrimination or there's companies look down upon someone who's like later in their career and trying to get into mm-hmm. something new or a new industry or something like that there seems to be weirdly like a lack of companies don't like for people to explore and grow and like try different things mm-hmm. which is so weird because when you grow up or as you go through school or college or high school or whatever else those types of things I guess sometimes not but a lot of times are encouraged like try this class or try this major or do this or that the mm-hmm. and then suddenly like oh you're in your 20s and now, hey, you better pick one thing and get expertise in it and then work your way up the corporate ladder. Like you mentioned earlier, diversity of experiences, diversity of types of people, all those things actually help companies make better decisions. So how do you think about like, you talk about growth mindset or trying different things, like other things you recommend people do to go from step one to two to three to four in their careers or just kind of figure out those things that they do like so
1: much of this is really comes down to how do you tell the story of yourself right mm. like okay yeah i jumped around and i tried this thing and i didn't really like it and i'm kind of trying to jump back in to a different thing what about the thing that you did makes you a good fit for the thing that you want to do right if you're interviewing for a job at the end of the day it's your job to convince them that out of all the people they're talking to, you are the one that they should pick. You need to just make the case for them. And I would bet that if it was something that you were interested in, there's a reason and it's related to what you actually want to do. And you can take a lot of things from that, that then you can describe and make yourself unique here. Look, some things are going to be harder than others. If we're talking about performance marketing, you're probably not going to get that job against somebody else who actually did, but you probably also knew that. You're not qualified for that job. But if you're in the zone of qualification, which again, I find it hard to believe people like veering that far out that it's not relevant in any way. But it's your job to tell the story of why you are the right person and why you did what you did. There's always a good explanation. And as long as you can articulate that, then it shouldn't matter. I say shouldn't here. We're in economic times. Also, I actually think I had a lot of friends and me too, not when COVID happened, but when the economy tanked last year, we make tons of money off of corporate sponsorships, right? And that was just gone. So I was like, Let me try and have some conversations to like, see if there's somewhere like I can go full time, especially again, like Claire, my co founder, we're married, right? So like, yeah, that's both of our incomes hit at once. And I had a bunch of other friends who over the course of the pandemic, I mean, from 2020 till now, there's been so many things that have happened where a bunch of us were like, let's have some conversations, corporate see what happens. And when the economy is bad, companies like get so much less risk averse. But I think their definition of risk averse is kind of wrong. Where Mm. for me, hiring an entrepreneur when shit is hitting the fan, to me is one of the smartest things you could possibly do. I mean, yeah, know we know how to do anything. Our job is to fix it when something blows up. We are creative. Yeah. We just get shit done. Your whole job is to like, things are gonna get lobbed at your face every other day. And it's just how you deal with it right? So how do you kind of craft that own similar narrative to yourself where, yeah, all those other people are like that, but I have this experience and that gives me an edge. It's always in there somewhere. You have to find your edge over the other people based on what you've done in your life.
0: That's actually so interesting because we've seen that too in the last probably year, year and a half where companies went from, oh, we'll take somebody who tech sales, for example, we'll take Mm -hmm. somebody who has retail sales experience and give them an opportunity as an SDR at a startup, tech sales company, or hey, we'll take an experienced SDR and give them an opportunity to to be an AE for the first time at our company. And then now we've seen in the last six to 12 months, we're not going to hire you as an SDR, which is in most cases, an entry level type role. We're not going to hire you as an SDR unless you've already been an SDR for like three years, Mm -hmm. or we're not going to hire you as an AE unless you've been an AE for like five years.
1: Searching for college grads with five years experience.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. It's crazy. It is interesting that companies in times of crises tend to fall back on bad habits almost around Mm -hmm. like evaluating talent and saying oh the only way only like function or ability we have to evaluate talent is prior experience in this exact role at a company that looks like us
1: again some things that are hyper technical obviously if you like don't know python you're not going to get that job you know but like there's so many other things that just small-mindedness to me is like it's almost less of a risk to me to hire somebody who is entrepreneurial or has different experiences and can do things that are hard. That's, to me, I will hire anyone any day who demonstrates to me that they can figure out how to do hard things.
0: Yeah. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, I want to ask you about, you've been writing a lot recently on LinkedIn (laughs) about productivity and (laughs) just reaching goals, goal setting, things Mm -hmm. of that nature, which I think everyone as they enter different stages of their career, a lot of times it's the first time in their lives where they are having to own for themselves, Mm -hmm. like, what do I want in life? And how do I go get it? And obviously, like jobs will put certain things in front of you, Mm -hmm. like just do this and get it done by Friday. But for people personally, a lot of those types of things can be a challenge. So maybe just talk to me about a a couple themes that you've Mm -hmm. been exploring around personal goal achievement, productivity, stuff like that. Anything you've learned recently applying those things for yourself?
1: Yeah, the way that I've always approached my career in general, and then especially when I became a founder was, again, we're in the zone of kind of privileged work, let's say, right, like you can learn your way into being a better employee and being more successful. And to me, I think I like to kind of separate things between things I can control and things I can't control. Things you can't control, right? Like the job market puking, you can't control that. What can I control then? That's going to help me in my career. Learning new skills is like such a huge one, right? Like starting a side hustle for fun and like learning things. So I've always been a very big, learn your way into being more successful. Especially once I became a CEO, it is so hard. To run a company and not feel like shit all the time. <laughs> Even if like you yeah. are succeeding, sometimes like things take a long time. And one of the things that I started doing that kind of like make myself feel okay was asking myself at the end of the day, was I a better CEO today than I was yesterday? Right. And like you can slot in employee, salesperson, whatever it is that you do. And as long as I could say yes to that at the end of every day, you don't know what's gonna happen, but you know you're going in the right direction. And that's really where my kind of like obsession with self-improvement and personal development came from. And productivity obviously is a huge part of that because I am the number one source of Velocity. For my company It goes as fast as I drive it No one else is going to drive it faster than me And that's the same thing for your career too No one's going to do this for you And you know something I've been saying to people a lot lately Is like don't get in the way of your own bag There's Mm. tons of things that can trip you up The world's crazy You should be doing everything in your control That you can to give yourself further and further steps forward So for me I was like you will probably be helpful I could get more stuff done During the day right And that's where I started thinking about productivity And increasing my velocity every day and just changing the way that I think about work. And I've gotten like really fixated on blockers. I have a story from a friend who, you know, a couple years ago, she decided she wanted to run for office. Right. And she's in the middle of her campaign. And she said to me, she's like, someone told me they will introduce me to somebody. I know that when they make that introduction, it is going to have a huge impact on my campaign. Right. And like, that's her career right people don't think about elected officials as like it's their career but it was her career i just cannot i cannot tell him i'm ready there's something that i'm ready to receive that email it'd be a huge unlock if i did there's something blocking me right like that's kind of where that don't get in the way of your own bag comes from like i say this to myself which is like really funny because i'm like a women's empowerment whatever person but like i have like this list of things that i'm like these will all be objectively 100 percent positive things I could do right and like if I look at something and I'm like why haven't I done this yet I often say to myself stop being a bitch about it (laughs) And most of the time, I'm just being a bitch about it. I tend to be like really fear driven. If you had asked me in 2016, 15, if I would ever be an entrepreneur, I'd be like, what are you talking about? I was corporate track. I was like on that thing. You know, my dad worked at the same company for 30 years. My parents were very low risk, max out your 401k every year don't do anything crazy whatever but Claire my co-founder hosted a couple of ladies get paid events before it kind of became a company and I went to one and it was so impactful to me like I couldn't not do it, it was kind of like how yeah. I ended up making the jump into entrepreneurship but it's been a struggle for me to like deal with my fear of failure you know I started say it made me not do a lot of things right because I was like eh, I don't know if this is going to work I could have been a lawyer and that I like look at things and I look at numbers it's like oh wow what is it 90 percent of companies fail you know what i mean where i'm like not great odds there maybe i shouldn't do it right and it just kept yeah. stopping me from doing a lot of things and then i said to myself i was like what do i care people know i tried something and it didn't work like really yeah. at the end of the day why does that actually matter and then i just started doing more stuff And another kind of thing In this like goal setting stuff That I've been thinking about a lot The number one thing when it comes to like setting goals Is they have to be like really tiny Really really small And so Mm. I kind of took that Because they're achievable Where you're like I want to be more productive at the end of the year Right like what does that mean? You have to break it down much smaller So I kind of took on the one hand You need your goals to be small And then to almost deal with my fear of shipping things I kind of put those together Where I basically just started to try and ship as many things as i possibly could and that like whatever you want to count that as posting on twitter more was like one of my ship a bunch of stuff and you noticed right like you read my tweets now but it also because the stakes were so much lower in those things right like if i tweet something and no one reads it i'm like whatever who cares but it got me more in i have less fear about doing things now and then i do more of them they get bigger i increase my comfort level but all of that to kind of say is i've been focusing a lot on like anything that helps me get out of my own way life is gonna yeah. get me so many times and like that's what personally kind of drives me to write about and talk about a lot of these things because it's helped me so much it's nice to kind of like feel things that you do work but all of these things about how do i get out of my own way there's so many different like oh, I use my phone too much. What should I do about that? You know what I mean? It's just like finding all of these, the small ones count a lot in the aggregate. atomic habits, not to be like a James Clear person, but like I have this like giant list on my phone of like, it's called small things to do. And right like before you sent me the email and you're like, hey, I'm on, I'll see you at two o'clock. I was like, I got 12 minutes. What on this list? can I do in 12 minutes, right? And that's like called task batching where you like break things out by how long they take. But like, where can I just continue to unblock in ways that are A, easy, and then B, the ones that are not easy to unblock, like dig in there. I think that also like came from therapy too, where I'm like, I am paying this person $200 yeah. to sit here for 45 minutes. And I could sit here and like, not really talk about why I'm here. And then I would waste my own money. Or I can actually show up for this thing that I said I was going to do and actually get the most out of this because this is going to help me right my obsession is again getting myself to be less of a little bitch about it
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it resonates a lot I've written about this as well but like job seekers for example a lot of job seekers it's 200 or more applications get a job offer and so if if you don't quickly get over failure or rejection or like messing things up you're not even going to make it or you're not even going to get Enough applications out there. On the other hand, I think also the amount of things that are out there. And I think like as an analogy for some of the stuff you talked about, like the LinkedIn mass supply button, for example, or just LinkedIn and indeed as mm-hmm. institutions or as, as companies, that type of thing has happened everywhere wh- which is there's so many more things, whether it's like, oh, I can suddenly now log in and see a thousand, a million jobs postings. I can see probably a hundred job postings, exactly what I want to do where I want to be that were posted yesterday mm-hmm. or your phone or social media. There's so many more things out there to distract from what it is exactly that you're trying to get done, whether it's get a job offer or accomplish that next thing at work or whatever else. And both from a distraction standpoint, like, oh, my phone is distracting, mm-hmm. but also just from like, how do I even go about accomplishing certain things? Because maybe 30, 40 years ago, I'm going to like apply for a job out of school. And then we have a job board with a bunch of things on a board. I opened a new
1: paper and i circled something with a highlighter yeah the classified ads or
0: something and it's like there's like five avenues to go about solving some sort of problem that you have for yourself and now it's like infinite avenues that you could go about increase of
1: access also increases competition which like a lot of people don't think about but yeah the easier it is to do something the more people are going to do it and then right i know one of your questions is like what's advice that you give to job seekers and i'm even again like applying this to myself right now there is so much stuff so much people out there the number one thing that you could do or rather you should be doing every single thing that you can to stand out like i am very intense about telling people to have i hate saying a personal brand right now Mm -hmm. but like you need to have a good presence online i think as a modern job seeker if you want a good job. Again, back to what we said before. You have to make it easy as possible for them to say yes to you. You know, I had a friend who wanted to make a pivot into like an entirely new thing. And I was like, I think you have to start a blog. I think you have to have some body of work online. You know, we yeah. got into like the whole then like capitalism just sucking up all of your time and whatever, but yeah. don't get in the way of your own bag. If you can do something that you know objectively will put you in a better position, you should do that. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It is tough out there. How many, on average, do you know, like applications does a role get now? Do you know that?
0: It definitely varies a lot. I know competitive roles that post on LinkedIn, they'll have thousands of applications in a day.
1: In one day, right? Yeah. it's just a more competitive market now. And you got to do everything that you can to make it easy for them to say yes to you. And A, right. that's having online presence. B, like that's learning to be more productive, like ultimately. And for me, productivity isn't about working longer. It's about just getting your stuff done faster, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I bring up the phone thing again. I now have to put a physical object on top of my phone at my desk every day. I realized I was kind of doing this tracking during the day where I was like writing down every 15 minutes what I had done just to kind of like get a view, right? Like talk about self-analysis. Yeah. And I would be like doing something where I use ChatGPT to do a lot of stuff during the day or like outline a deck for me. What order should I put the slides in? and then. While I was waiting for it to generate the thing, I would pick up my phone and then five minutes would go by because I'm on my phone. The thing had been done in 30 seconds. So then I lost four minutes and 30 seconds there. Not to get like really lifestyle optimization here about that, but like every single time you do that then, right? Like that's me wasting my own time where I could have gotten my work done faster and then stopped working at six and like gone and had a nice dinner, right? Like it's not just about like raw work. It's about the balance of your work and your life.
0: I feel like it sneaks up on you a lot more than even, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, TV or video games or things like that, where maybe you sit down and you spend an hour or even like two hours on some sort of outlet thing. Mm -hmm. And then you think, oh, that's like a long time. But your phone definitely sneaks up on you a lot more. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was on it for 10 minutes earlier, 10 minutes then, 10 minutes. And it's like suddenly you look at your screen time and you're like, oh, I would have been better off just sitting down for two hours and watching TV and then cutting it versus being distracted a bunch different times and Mm -hmm. then throwing away, not throwing away, but like wasting per se, Mm -hmm. you know, four hours or something in a day. Yeah. I have one final question to ask you, which is, if I'm correct, you are expecting? Sure am. First of all, congratulations. Thank that's you. super exciting. And one question with that is just how are you thinking about the transition into parenthood mm-hmm. and how you think about your career? And that's another thing I think that a lot of women have to grapple with differently than men have to grapple with, but just like what you're looking well, forward funny, to. Or,
1: funny statistic there. When men announce that they are expecting they typically get a salary bump where women mm-hmm. it is held against them in their career when they say that they're having a kid so that sucks and it's wow. fun i know yeah. yeah the man has to pay for his family of course
0: yeah well it's a good thing you're your own boss i pay myself
1: no. <laughs> the way i've kind of been thinking about it is and i like also you know claire my wife right now is like so sick like she's having one of those pregnancies where she's like really sick which yeah. It'll little end at some point. But we run our company together, right? We've kind of separated it and I'm like you deal with doing that and I will deal with doing this. And yeah. kind of this personal development journey that I've been on of kind of just like constantly making improvements in my life. I felt that much more intensely now. Not that I haven't been obsessed with like making our company successful, but I'm like we need way more. Money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like that but also it feels Feels like the way that I spend my minutes is even more important. I am responsible for my family right now. Right. Like and I'm like I'm the CEO. Claire's a content creator. She's the creative. Not that I'm not creative, right? Like I make content too, but yeah, she does the speaking and like the creating of the like ethos of ladies get paid. Right. And I'm like the business person. I feel a really intense responsibility. To make sure our family is not like just okay, like sure, that's like a baseline, but I want our like family to be awesome and to be able to like do cool things, provide for my kids. My parents paid for me to go to college and I feel like constantly how fortunate I am for something like that. That's something yeah. that's really important to me. I don't want our kids to have to pay for college because it made such a huge difference. That privilege is insane to not have students yeah. debt. Right. And so it's like half a million dollars minimum to send a kid to like UC state school. Like, you know what I mean? Like a UC state school. That's not even like a private college. I mean, we're talking about like phone distractions. I unfollowed so many accounts on Instagram. Instagram shut down my account because I thought I like bought a bot. That's like how much unfollowing I was doing. You know, I'm I'm like deleting apps off my phone. Like I just was sort of like, I was almost like I have to like monk mode. You know, when you just like delete everything, at least end of January, beginning of February is like around when our due date is. So I'm starting early, right? But everything just felt like it became much more Intense. I was like, I cannot fuck her. I've been fucking around before, like maybe a little bit, right? Like you work for yourself during a pandemic. Right. Sometimes I watch Bravo on a Tuesday because I can, right? But like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like a
1: whole different thing now. But yeah,
0: stakes are a little higher.
1: Yeah. And I mean, making a baby the non natural way is also expensive. Little known fact right now, but there is a nationwide sperm shortage. So the like cost Mm -hmm. of making a baby has gone up like a ton. Oh, wow. 3x since the pandemic began. Zero percent covered by insurance, except if you live in like New York, New Jersey or Massachusetts. That is just pure out-of-pocket money the financial constraints of having a kid start much earlier for us too right like yeah the kid's expensive plus i had to pay to get there in the first place you know so
0: yeah yeah
1: we're thrilled and it's exciting yeah. and yeah, i yeah. am a hustler so we got like our fertility sponsored right like i'll do that yeah you know what i mean we wrote about our journey online with our fertility clinic and we got part of it sponsored so like we did not a full yeah. price whatever kind of thing and like who doesn't want to hear about two girl boss lesbians and they're like pregnancy and stuff right i'm not here about to like monetize this shit like whatever some people are like don't you feel like that's weird for your kids i'm like do they want to go to college and do they know (laughs) i don't know They're going to be looking at that
0: and they're going to say, this paid for freshman year right here. Listen, those
1: 529s, (laughs) they're getting open right away. You know, like it all just kind of intensified is like the TLDR where it's just like, it's not just us anymore. We're responsible for somebody else. And the dream is to thrive, not just to kind of be like, we're making it, which I know it's going to be like insane and hard. But yeah, yeah. especially been thinking the lack of paid leave, the lack of space and time that we give parents and especially mothers, there are women who give birth and have to like go back working at mcdonald's two days later we have felt very fortunate it's really scary to run your own company the two of us and be like solely responsible for our finances but on the other hand claire's been able to take off the time that she needs and i've been able to move around my schedule enough that, like i can help her i could take her to her doctor's yeah. appointments the acupuncture like anything that needs to happen her entire diet had to change i can be with her and help her where i don't think i would have had that kind kind of privilege like if i had to go to an office every day even or even like working from home i can't run my own schedule so there's a a lot of things we feel really fortunate about but it also just like makes me sad for like we're the only developed nation in the world that doesn't have paid family leave yeah you have a baby in germany and you don't have to work for a year and they just give you money and we're like sending people back i mean even when people like do have maternity leave from their company it's technically short-term disability insurance because they're like your body busted open i guess you'll need to stay home for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like that's literally it. oh it's like gosh. oh you had a surgery that's what it counts yeah as, you know yeah. so oh my gosh yeah I know we feel very privileged but it also has I mean we've talked about this stuff for years but our good fortune makes me feel sad for like the people who are less fortunate than us
0: yeah. Well, best of luck with that journey. Thank you. As you, I think, summed up, it will be challenging. It will be thrilling. It will be mm-hmm. a lot of things. That one more person that has to monetize. <laughs> yeah, I expect your uh, your the, child to be posting content on LinkedIn, the, the building their personal brand. In this
1: house, you know, yes.
0: <laughs> classic creator, awesome. Well, I will go ahead and end the recording here. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate thank you your for insight having me. and
1: everybody. Uh, I got to make my plug. Go to ladiesgetpaid.com. You can check us out, sign up for our newsletter, follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, do the whole thing. I'm working on my personal brand, so you'll help me out.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, of course, of course. Thanks so much.